Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast, and we've got a lot going on for you today as we previewed NFC South and we talked about Zeke Elliott's suspension and all the various trades that have occurred over the last week and a half. My name is Hakun Wong. I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. With me, as always, is Ryan Whitfield, senior staff writer on Football Garbage Time. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, Hakun. How you doing? I'm doing well today. All right. So I know we've just had our, uh, our fantasy football draft. Everyone should check out the results of that draft coming up shortly on our website. How do you feel about your team so far, Ryan? Yeah, I feel great about my team. I was—I uh, don't know if you saw the draft grades, but I actually won the draft according to uh, Yahoo. <laughs> um, had me at 10-2-1 yeah. in first place, so I uh, feel pretty good about the squad I put together. All right, we'll see because I, you know, I don't, I, you know, that Yahoo bot doesn't know better than we do. I don't think that, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I know you guys you get your team named Cooks in the Kitchen. I assume that's because of Brandon Cooks. Yeah, and I was going to take Dalvin Cook, but somebody reached for him in, like, the fifth round. So uh, Yeah, I was, I was thinking that. I was thinking that with that name, you're going to have to have Dalvin Cook. You might want to pull off an early season trade then to fill that up. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make sense if you don't have two cooks in the kitchen, man. All right, let's get started with, uh, with a little bit of the, uh, of, uh, the news and uh, some of the interesting things that happened over the last weekend. Okay, so let's first start talking about Ezekiel Elliott, who received a six-game suspension. As of today, he has just placed his appeal on record, so he's going to be appealing that suspension. Uh, This is a pretty thorough job that the NFL has done on this one. They found him in violation of the NFL player policy, and, of course, there are a lot of issues that they found um, to be troubling that, uh, of course, were not brought up in any type of criminal case. So keep that in mind. No criminal case brought, but they did find there were at least three instances in which there was some form of domestic violence. So what do you think about Ezekiel Elliott? I mean, let's not, you know, I don't want to dwell too much on the actual suspension, but how is this going to impact his career and the Dallas Cowboys this year? Yeah, so I'll say to start, um, I don't want to focus on the suspension a lot either, but I will uh, point out that this is the exact thing that Patriot fans and people that are a little more hunkish than I am, but uh, pointed out the last couple of years about wait till this happens to your team. This is what happens when you give the commissioner, um, you know, undisputed power and he can wield and leverage it. And there's, there's no consistency in the NFL. Um, he, he made the rule a couple of years ago um, after the Ray Rice incident that six games was the first, uh, you know, first violation um, uh, amount and, since then, only two out of nine players have been actually uh, dealt out a six-game suspension. And, you know, obviously the first person that comes to mind is Josh Brown with the one game last year. So um, definitely some inconsistencies there. And so, you know, just another, you know, another situation uh, where, where it, you know, we see uh, some flaws in how they handle uh, player discipline. Um, the other one I would mention quickly, because you did mention this, um, th- there, there was no um, official charges filed. Um, you know, R- Ray Rice wasn't... Um, uh, wasn't convicted of anything either. So, um, you know, often in domestic abuse, you see, uh, you know, the, the abused pull back because they don't want to go through with it because there is, you know, that, that right. whole love-hate um, relationship cycle. So um, I think the NFL has to take a stand on this. So in that, in that sense, I agree with them. As far as what it means for the Cowboys this year, he's their best player offensively, in my opinion. Um, Dez is not the same player he was a couple years ago. I think his value, uh, fantasy, or just in general is down because I don't think he has the same chemistry 
with uh, with Prescott that he had with Romo. And so this is going to hurt them. I mean, this is what they did last year was they, they pounded you, you know, ground and pound, and they had the best running back in the game, um, or one of the two best running backs in the game. And then they made the, they made the key passes and plays they had to make, but they didn't. Um, they were not a high-flying offense. And so um, he did officially file his appeal. I would, I would expect it to get dropped down to around four games as opposed to six. But even so, um, four games is a long time. And, you know, for the fantasy implications, um, if it does stay six, they do have their bye week in the first uh, couple weeks of the season. I think right. it was like a week they five bye. Yep. Um, so you're not getting Ezekiel Elliott back till, uh, till week uh, eight of fantasy football. So um, there's a lot of implications with that. As far as him as, uh, on the whole, um, I, I've said it on the record saying this multiple times that I think he's a bit of a knucklehead. And he's superly talented and um, a great player, but he's the kind of guy that if this continues to follow him, and this isn't one incident, and, you know, they said there's three different incidents there. Um, there was the whole nightclub thing a couple, uh, like, one or two months ago. Um, the thing where yep. he pulled the girls, uh, you know, pulled the girls' breasts out at the parade. Um, he he yep. appears to this point to be someone who doesn't get it. And, you know, I know we had this uh, this hot take for me a couple uh, weeks ago where you uh, wanted no part of me going after the Dallas fat fan base. But um, <laughs> from, Michael Ir- from Michael Irvin to Leon Lett, to, to this, uh, you know, to this generation of the Cowboys, to them taking on Terry Glenn and, and Terrell Owens in the early 2000s, um, Jerry Jones will take on any caliber person, and he doesn't care about their their mental makeup. He just wants uh, good, talented players. And um, for by and large, for the last 20 years, that hasn't worked. So at some point, you know, he's got to take a look at his approach. And um, you know, because again, this is somebody who's superly talented, but he's going to miss at least uh, four games this year, if not six. And so what right, right. Do I think we've got to assume six at this point because until we hear otherwise. But, you know, so the early schedule for the Dallas Cowboys uh, versus the Giants at Broncos, at Cardinals, versus the Rams, versus the Packers, and at 49ers. You know, for of all those teams, uh, which one of these teams are going to benefit the most if he's going to sit out all six games? I mean, can I can I take the cheap answer and say all of them? Um, you know, I think <laughs> yeah. I think the Dallas Cowboys are a completely different team. Um, you know, any any roster grading site you look at right now, um, most of them all have the the Philadelphia Eagles as the number one offensive line. Um, but this is no longer you know the, that do, that dominant offensive line we all saw. Um, so, you know, in general, I think they're going to be a step back. Uh, but but I, I think the obvious one is though is the Giants, right? If I'm not, if I have to. Yeah, them. right. That's that's all I was thinking um, too. Yep. I mean, they're matched up against them, and and it's a divisional opponent. So if they, you know, if you win that head-to-head game, and you go four and two, five and one, and they go two and four in that stretch, or three and three, um, you know, you effectively right. have a two to anywhere from a two to four game lead in the division on them. So um, that's that's the huge one. This is for because it's really between those two to win that division this year, in my opinion. Right, and I think the Packers might actually benefit a little bit too, because obviously they that will be one of their early season tests for the Packers, uh, and it could be uh, it could be trouble for them. They had a, had trouble on defense uh, controlling the run without Ezekiel Elliott. They probably won't be quite as uh, threatening. All right, let's go ahead and uh, move on to the next one. We're going to ring the bell on that and talk about the big trades coming down last week. Sammy Watkins going to the Rams. Jordan Matthews going to the Bills. Now, keep in mind, both of these guys were drafted in 2014. Sammy Watkins was taken fourth overall in the first round by Buffalo, and Jordan Matthews was taken 42nd overall in the second round by the Philadelphia Eagles. Both of them very different players. Sammy Watkins stretching the field. Jordan Matthews playing underneath, not really having a lot of success playing on the outside. 
Interestingly enough, Sammy Watkins' problem, not the production, but staying healthy on the field. Only eight games played last year, 13 the year before that. And Jordan Matthews, although staying on the field, has just not had an impressive season, never breaking 1,000 yards, uh, and, and really not being, um, not being super effective when they tried to line him up on the outside. So what are your thoughts on these two moves? Sammy Watkins to the Rams, Jordan Matthews to the Bills. Do either of those teams actually benefit from those moves, and do any of those players benefit? Um, I think it's just uh, a weird bad fit for everybody. Um, I, I I absolutely hate this across the board. Um, so I'll, I'll start through the beginning of it. Um, I think Sammy Watkins is a severely flawed player. I've been on record multiple times on here saying, that I think he's the kind of guy that can only run a fly route. I think he, I think he is is one of the dumbest football players I've I've ever you know known um, or seen. Wow. You know he doesn't. There's there's not a there's not a high football IQ there. Um, saying things. There's either last year or two years ago. Like even when I'm triple covered, throw me the ball, I got it. You know that kind of confidence for somebody who really hasn't established anything. And, and his one good year that everyone remembers is his rookie season. And um, I don't have the stats directly in front of me, but I, I, as a, somebody who had him in fantasy football that year on several teams, he would go off for, you know, 200 yards and two touchdowns one week, and the next week he'd have a catch for five yards and no touchdowns. And so even that year, right. he was wildly inconsistent and a boomer bust player. So, um, but on the whole, so you make that trade and you take, uh, you take uh, EJ Gaines, who is a good, not great corner, um, not somebody that I'm super in love with. And so I think on offense, you obviously got worse. And then on defense – um, you know, I thought you got marginally better, but not, you know, good enough. Um, and then they go and trade for Jordan Matthews and they flip Ronald Darby, who is their best corner. So now you've lost Stephon right. Gilmore and Darby from last year. And now you flipped him over there. Now you bring in Jordan Matthews, who is a better route runner than Sammy Watkins, but he's got stone hands. He can't catch the ball. He can't stay healthy. And like you said, he's never amassed a thousand yards. So I think you washed out at receiver. You got worse at corner. Um, so right. I guess the only team I would say that won here is Philly. Um, I don't love getting rid of yes. uh, getting rid of Jordan Matthews because um, you know I have a lot of question marks about Alshon Jeffrey um, and, and uh, where, where the receiving core is at right now. Although I would say from all the reports and what I think this trade really signals to me is that Nelson Aguilar finally in year three is taking that step and kind of emerging as that as that option in the offense that they thought he would, he was going to well, be when they drafted him. Um, right. So I think that's big and at important. Least they hope. And then, and then and L, yeah, at least they hope. But I, I would, I would assume right. that you know Peterson doesn't, you know, uh, greenlight that trade um, if he doesn't, uh, you know, to, to, uh, that he wouldn't greenlight that trade if he doesn't see uh, the potential or that Nelson's actually developing now. Um, and then lastly, <laughs> the, the L.A. Rams, man. Um, apparently, with Robert <laughs> Woods and Sammy Watkins, they want the mediocre re- receiving core that Buffalo had last season, and that's what that's been their big, their big offseason move. Um, is to bring, bring right. those two uh, those two guys in. So, um, you know, if they brought those in from two different teams and thought teaming them up together would be great, um, I could understand the philosophy. But you saw them in the same, in the same receiving core last year and saw them on a marginal right. offense. So um, you know on tape what they are. So I don't know. Um, it's a weird move yeah. all around. I think with Philly overall, if Nelson Aguilar is emerging, uh, Alshon Jeffrey can put it together for a full season. Um, taking it, bringing in Darby um, makes that secondary instantly better. So I think that's a good move on their part. 
Right, and, and keep in mind that you know Jordan Matthews is going to be running in the slot, so none of that really made sense in Philly. There's not really a, a slot, a, a, por, a part for, place for him to run. Now going to the Bills, it makes even less sense because you know honestly, Anquan Bolden is ancient. He's going to end up having to run underneath Jordan Matthews. Now is going to run in the slot. I mean, who who's going to run? Who's going to go deep? I mean, <laughs> Tyrod Taylor has one one real talent, and that's going deep and for a little bit of deep accuracy. And uh, he doesn't have anybody to throw to. So they've, they've, you know, Zay Jones, the rookie they picked up this year, uh, he may, uh, he's been uh, pegged to run on the outside, but he actually spent most of his time in college running out of the slot. So they basically have a whole crap load of slot receivers over in Buffalo. I don't know what they're doing over there, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Zay Jones might be the big winner there. And, of course, Jordan Matthews, injured on the very first practice of his new team, has a chipped bone on his sternum. He's week to week, so he might not even get on the field. Uh, after all that is said and done. So Sammy Watkins, on the other hand, deep threat, but Jared Goff, no arm. So, well, gee, I don't know what they're going to do with that. Um, hopefully they are. Uh, he's going to take a step forward. Otherwise, the Rams are going to be a disaster. But this all kind of pins on Jared Goff, in my opinion, and whether they can get him going because they really don't have another choice back there under center. So I, don't, I agree with you. The only team that really won out of this, you can call any team winning out of this, has got to be the Philadelphia Eagles, who I think Darby automatically upgraded their secondary and has something they really needed. Uh, so that's a good, good move for them because they probably didn't have Jordan Matthews in their future anyway. All right, so that basically brings us to the end of that ringing the bell. Let's go ahead and talk about the NFC South. That's right, we've been breaking down each of the divisions Throughout the offseason, we are down to the NFC South now, and I know it's one of your favorite divisions because you played against them last year in the Super Bowl. And let's start right there. Let's start with the Atlanta Falcons. Ended up 11-5, first in the NFC South, first in the NFC, lost, and I'm sure everybody remembers, in the Super Bowl in dramatic fashion. As far as their significant ads, there's, they've added Don Terry Poe at defensive tackle, Jack Crawford at defensive end. They drafted Takaris McKinley at defensive end and Duke Riley in the third round linebacker. So they really worked on getting their defense up to speed. They basically did not change their offense in any way except for losing their offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan, and replacing him with the college wonderkin Steve Sarkeesian. Wow, a lot of stuff here. Not a lot of changes, though, but one big one, new offensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, so with the Falcons, um, you know, I think there's two big X factors. I think in all the hyperbole and, uh, you know, grandstanding I've done since the Super Bowl, um, one thing I've probably never said on this podcast and uh, probably ever publicly is that, you know, I don't get to see the NFC teams a lot. I have... Red Zone, obviously, in the NFL Network, but I'm really watching that for fantasy purposes, right? And right. most of the Falcons games aren't broadcast here up in New England. So I don't get to see a lot of on the daily, um, you know, I get to see stats. And so one of the things I take away is that I was super impressed with what they built in Atlanta um, in that Super Bowl, not just because they got up to how that defense plays. Um, they remind you of the Seattle Seahawks in 2010, 2011, which obviously isn't surprising considering their head coach is Dan Quinn. Um, but they, they're, they're young, they're athletic, they're fast. Um, they fly to the ball. They fly around. They're they're not really scared of anybody. You know, they have they kind of have like that um, the attitude and that swagger. And I think you know one of the guys that kind of you know the guys I would compare is you know Alford reminds me a lot of a young Richard Sherman. Uh, not somebody who's really was highly touted. Uh, not somebody who's really you know fully known uh, in the league yet. But the way he carries himself and the attitude he brings to that defense, and they got some you know big heavy hitters there. Um, yep. You know, I thought 
Grady Jarrett was one of the best players in that Super Bowl last year, um, and you know could have honestly been the the MVP um, for the for the Falcons had they won it. Um, so then you you add in somebody like Don Terry Poe to that front line there, um, and the guys get another year older. I think that they could be dynamic. Um, so the big two X factors and question marks on this team, um, and both are kind of intangible because like you said, they didn't they kind of added to the team and didn't take away from it really, right? So they're really essentially rolling out the same roster last year that was good. Um, or great, and I don't expect them to fall back like the, the you know the 2015 to 2016 Panthers slide. Um, I I think the two big X factors are I do think it, it matters that you know Car, uh, Kyle Shanahan is gone. Um, he's had success everywhere he's gone, and he's been you know uh, not revolutionary, but you know he's he's brought a new um, you know a new touch to the game and something that people have had a hard time game planning around. So I think losing him is is, is huge. Um, and then the other thing, and we've talked about it multiple times on the show, it's not—it's intangible, but it's not fake. Uh, to lose a Super Bowl in that fashion can send you in the wrong way because the next time that they're off late in the game and they're not managing the clock properly, which hopefully Dan Quinn's learned, but if the next time they're in that situation, the players will start to get frustrated and start pointing fingers and be like, how did you not learn? You know, similar to the Richard Sherman when he lost his mind on Dan uh, Bevel last year when he tried to run the ball. On a on a second one situation, Russell Wilson almost got picked again. Um, you know yep. that that stuff sticks with you. So that's going to be the mental toughness there is going to be very you know hard for them um, to you know to, they're going to have to prove their mental toughness and that mental hurdle is going to be hard to leap and clear. Um, and the last thing I'll say about them, as well as as much as I expect them to have a good season again, you know I think we always all talk about the Super Bowl hangover that historically the team who loses the Super Bowl has a bad year the next year. And, um, yep. you know, I actually finally found a stat the other day. Or not found, I heard a stat the other day. Um, and I didn't realize how, how long it had been. The last team to go back to the Super Bowl after losing was the Buffalo Bills during that four-year stretch where they lost four straight Super Bowls. It is literally almost wow. been 30 years since a losing team made it back to the Super Bowl the, final, the, the following year. So, um, you know, at some, point, at some point, a trend like that has to tell you that it's, it's not the individual teams. It's just, it just shows how hard it is to get back there when you lose it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's emotional. It's definitely emotional. Now, the Falcons, of course, were fantastic as you mentioned last year on offense. They actually scored 540 points, which in the regular season, which was seventh most in NFL history. But their defense was, eh, you know, they did what they could. They were dynamic with what they had, and I agree that, you know, they 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 managed to get the most out of what players they had. But they're ranked 27th in the league in points allowed, allowing 25.4 points per game so they are going to need to improve and that will start with Desmond Trufant coming back from injury uh, they'll also start with Vic Beasley they won't have Dwight Freeney anyway anywhere uh, anymore of course he's now gone uh, that is a veteran presence that could have been helpful there uh, but you know the additions that they've made in the offseason I think will be helpful I don't see anything significantly changing for the Falcons but I agree there is some some of that emotional aspect of it that'll be different difficult to overcome in this next season. All right, let's turn to the next team. That's the Carolina Panthers. In 2016, and you just mentioned this, Ryan, they really slid. They, are down, they went down to 6-10, and 10, fourth in the NFC South. What a disaster after a Super Bowl run. Uh, and Cam Newton really, really regressed. Some of their big-time additions, they did add Julius Peppers at uh, 37 years old. I don't know what's left in the tank. But they also drafted well with Christian McCaffrey in the first round and Curtis Samuel in the second round and shoring up their offensive line, hoping to keep Cam Newton upright, Taylor Moten in the uh, second round as well. Cam Newton has had a, had a litany of injuries now over the, over the course of his three years 
ankle surgery, shoulder surgery, fractured back, cracked ribs, concussion, all those things have happened, and it really caught up to him. He has been a mess, and he was sacked 36 times last year. So what do you think? Uh, is there actually a uh, possibility that Cam Newton will make a jump back, and what do you think about the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, so I've gone back and forth on this. I think Cam Newton will be fine. I think they'll be better this year um, than, they, than they were last year. You know, I, I know I didn't say it, but uh, – in in the last segment there, but, uh, you know, I have the Falcons winning the division at, at uh, 11 and five or 12 and four of the season. Um, mm-hmm. and I have Carolina finishing, uh, third in the division around nine and seven. So I think they're on the right track. I think they've fixed some things. I still think um, that there's a huge question mark on that defense. You know, you've now lost your defensive coordinator, uh, McDermott who's, who's uh, head coaching down in Buffalo or up in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and, you know, they never, they never recovered from the Josh Norman loss last year. And it's a passing right. league. If you don't have that number one corner, you can have two great linebackers like Keekley and, and Thomas Davies, but you, you need you need a, you know an elite shutdown corner, and they don't have that. And they, they never they never really fully addressed it. And I think they'll struggle this year again there. So I think the defense will be ultimately their downfall. Um, the important person to watch, I think there's two people on the offensive side that I'm really interested in this year. I think McCaffrey will, will, will be have a, a successful rookie season. Um, as far as they're two big wideouts, though. You know, Kelvin Benjamin um, had a great rookie year a couple years ago, and then he was injured the next season. Yep. And then last year when he came back, um, you know, he made some dynamite plays, but overall it felt like he kind of took something away from the magic of that offense. Um, and sometimes yep. what you'll see with those big diva receivers, and, um, you know, I think he's a little bit different because he's a little bit more of a fighter, and I, I like his body build a little bit better, and I like the kind of the way he plays the position more. But, um, sometimes with those guys, you get a me first, feed me the ball. Um, you know, it was the, you know, the Randy Moss issue in, 20, in 2007. It wasn't an issue because the Patriots was so dominant. But by the end of his time in 2010, um, the issue had become that you know Brady would lock in on him too much, and he wasn't distributing the ball enough, and it was to feed you know Randy Moss's ego. And so when they actually traded him and brought in you know a, you know admittedly over the hill Dion Branch, even though Dion's one of my favorite players ever, um, they right. were actually better because it was addition by subtraction because you didn't have to feed that guy. And I wonder if there's a little bit of that going on with Kelvin Benjamin. That, um, Interesting. Because, I mean, you saw, you saw what Ted Ginn Jr. did two years ago when, when Kelvin was out, and then he comes back last year, and it seemed like Cam just was only trying to target and only forcing the ball and trying to run the offense through Kelvin. And right. I think their offense took a huge step back for it. And so was that, was that because he was the only one open, or was that because that was a, you know, a mental decision to force the ball to him? So I think that's something you know, I, I, I know I said that early last year to you on, on the podcast, one of our first couple of weeks. I said, are they, you know, I asked you, I said, is Carolina better without Kelvin Benjamin? And you were, you were stunned at it, but I think over the year, um, you know, you look at the last three seasons, the best year was the one year he was out. So something to watch. Yeah, but um, yeah, also well, I, Devin I, Funches. Oh, go yeah. on. No, I was going to say, I think Calvin Benjamin will be better this year. But you go, you go ahead. Tell, tell us what you think about Funches, because I'm interested to hear what you have to say about him. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I, I think Calvin will be better, but I wonder if it's if, it, if the offense overall improves or if it's still kind of that same um, thing we saw last right. year. But with Funches, I think, um, you know, this is his year. It, it, by all reports, it looks like he's having a pretty decent camp to start. And, you know, this is that big, you know, they always talk about the year three leap. And this is the year that, you know, the average NFL career is three and a half years. Um, so if you don't make it, it's usually in the first three years, right? And that's, that's the under part of the average. So this is that year, uh, year three leap where you need to see real progression and real improvement. And, you know, that's what I'm looking for from Funches. I loved him. He was one of my uh, picks in our mock draft. I think it was our first ever mock draft years ago. Um, in yep. his draft class, I loved him. He's a converted tight end. I love 
because I love his physicality, his big body, and his, you know, his ability to high point the ball. Uh, but none of that's translated to this point. So um, he is the X factor in that offense and maybe on that team for me. If he can really emerge as a, as a dynamite number two weapon and you have him and Benjamin playing at a high level as a one-two punch, then, then Carolina can be a real force this year. Right. So I agree. Uh, Newton, uh, by the way, just to, just as a side note to everybody, only 44 passes to his running backs last year. I think that will improve with McCaffrey there. He was actually never had a season where he sacked less than 33 times. They have to solve that problem. Uh, probably less designed plays now that he has more weapons in the backfield. I agree. I think that the uh, I think they'll be better this year. All right, let's move on. We have very little time left, though. New Orleans Saints, give us our two-minute take. 2016, they're 7-9. and nine. They picked up Ted Jin Jr., Adrian Peterson. Most importantly, though, linebacker A.J. Klein and linebacker Manti Teo. And they drafted cornerback Marshawn Lattimore in the first round. Big, big-time uh, addition there. Of course, they lost Brandon Cooks. What are your thoughts on New Orleans Saints? Yeah, so I'll go quickly. Mike Thomas, I think, takes another step forward, and Willie Speed gets uh, more involved in the offense. Um, and I think that you could see uh, Kobe Fleener have a, you know, maybe the year we all thought he was going to have last year with more targets to go around without Brandon Cooks. So yep. I think the offense will be consistent and do what they always do. I still think they're a soft, weak team. You know, um, I, I love the Marshawn Lattimore pick. I was, I was very, very pumped when they did that because they, they, they have to address the defense, right? That's when they're, they're, yep. uh, they're Achilles heel. But Manti Teo, and this is coming from a Notre Dame fan, maybe it's a sour taste because of how bad he performed in that, in that championship game against Alabama years ago. But, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, I, don't I, think, I don't think he's changing anything. A.J. Klein, you know, good pickup, not great. And then, you know, Adrian Peterson, like, get out of here with that. And uh, Ted Ginn, yeah, please save me. Um, so I think, I think overall they finish, they're going to finish fourth in this division. Um, they're going to be a 6-10, and 7-9 wow. team. But I do like the draft they had the last two years, and I think that they're on – the right path i think they're still maybe you know two or three years away which unfortunately means um they'll probably be doing it with a different quarterback so that's the the next big thing they need to address in the draft yeah i agree and i i do like the aj klein pick a uh, draft i'm sorry aj klein pickup a little bit better than you do he he did come from the panthers had a good year they paid him starter money three years 15 million dollars i think he'll actually be an instant upgrade i'm not expecting anything out of teo i love marshall Lattimore. they needed that de- they were in desperate need of a lockdown corner they got one uh hopefully that works out for them because they really really need to shore up their defense let's move on to the last team in the NFC South. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 2016, they ended up 9-7. and seven. They made some big steps forward uh, behind Jameis Winston, and they made some big-time additions. Wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, and they drafted O.J. Howard, the uh, tight end. They got safety Justin Evans, and they got Chris Godwin in their third round, another wide receiver. So they made a lot of, they made a lot of changes on offense. What do you think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, I think they go 10 and 6 or 11 and 5, and they're going to be the second place uh, team in this division. I think they take one of the wild cards this year. Um, I think they're having a, you know, all reports are they're having a good camp right now. And um, Jameis Winston, I think, is ready for that year three breakout performance. And, you know, you have, uh, you know, between Mike Evans and, um, you know, now Deshaun Jackson is a, is a deep threat there. Um, I, I think they, they have their program of weapons. I know, I know rookie tight ends uh, historically aren't very uh, productive, so. O.J. Howard is, uh, you know, something to watch a little bit concerned, but I think, um, yeah, they'll miss Doug Martin, but you have Jaquiz Rogers in there the first three weeks. Um, so I think you've got yep. a good complementary backfield. And, you know, Levante David anchoring that defense, I think it's one of the most underrated defenses in football. Um, I don't think they're top five, but probably low in top 10, uh, top 15. You know, they're definitely in the upper half, and I think uh, you'll see that this year, um, you know, kind of play out. And I think they, uh, they make a real push and get into the playoffs this year. 
Yeah, and so I, I think the one big question mark that I have is whether Doug Martin can come back to being a prominent running back, uh, the, the main guy in the backfield, once he gets back from the remainder of his PED suspension. Um, what's interesting to note, I think, is their pick in the fifth round of Jeremy Nichols, running back from Boise State, who is exactly the same height and build as uh, Doug Martin and could potentially slip right in there and take that uh, take that spot. I think Jameis Winston also takes a big step forward. I love O.J. Howard in this uh, in this offense, and Cameron Brait is still there, emerged uh, last year uh, with eight touchdowns. I think the problem is if you're from a fantasy perspective, you don't know who to actually target. But from a real-life uh, uh, perspective, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take a huge step forward. I think they even challenged the Atlanta Falcons for that top spot in the NFC South. All right, so that brings us basically to the end of our podcast. So, uh, Ryan, give us your Twitter and your Instagram account so that people can follow. Yeah, so perfect. Um, so quickly, I want to do one quick shout-out. Um, I will have my uh, fourth down uh, fourth down territory column uh, coming back for the season up tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, fantastic. You know, working kind of a, yeah, I'm working with a new partnership with uh, DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports. So make sure you check them out and, uh, and uh, check out the article tomorrow. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield, N-E is in New England. And then uh, Instagram is football underscore garbage underscore time. Yeah, definitely check back in also to check out the results of our fantasy league draft of the uh, football garbage time staff we'll also have comments from each of the people on their picks to help you with your fantasy draft and definitely check back in for the four down territory always a good read every week uh definitely check in and 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 uh and read that and uh, pass it around all right until next time be sure to enjoy the rest of your nfl week because we still got preseason football and we're getting close everybody we're getting real close only half a month a little over half a month away before football season starts.